Thanks for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. We pray that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith in Jesus. We are happy to provide this resource to you, but as you know, this alone cannot meet the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we hope you'll be able to join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. Or if you're not in the area, give us a call and we'll do our best to help you find a good church to visit. For now, here is this week's message. Hey, so just a couple uh, more announcements for you. First up, baby Jackson that you guys have saw and many of you have asked about. He's doing better. Stand up with little baby Jackson. Just stand up with him. He's home from the hospital doing better. Um, Also, I want to remind you youth that today directly after the service in the fellowship hall, um, they're going to be doing uh, the Thanksgiving giving, baking bread or cookies or mugs and ornaments, all sorts of stuff to make for our homebound members. So uh, please make plans to stick around, hang out, have fun, eat some lunch. And then let's love on those who've, who've been around um, longer and before us. We get to show them God's love and remind them that we still care and the church still thinks about them. And it's a great thing um, for us to be a part of. And then secondly, or lastly, as far as announcements go, next week is Father-Son uh, Paintball. And everybody's wondering, Brian, why are you looking at your iPad? Because i got to get my stuff switched over. I completely forgot to do that. But I'm... Um, I'm working on it now, but it's father-son paintball next Saturday, so father and son, come on out. You get to legally shoot your kids with paintball. Sons, you get to shoot your fathers with paintball. That might be even more of a draw next Saturday. Just more time for fathers and sons to come together, hang out, and experience um, just other community of father and sons and learning about Jesus and having fun together. But this morning, we're going to continue our series on 1 Corinthians. We're still in chapter 7. We've been in chapter 7 for what feels like forever. Along with chapter 6, we've been talking about sex and relationships and all that kind of stuff. It feels like forever now. I don't know if it's felt that way to you. It's felt like that way to me. And today, after the end of this, we're turning the corner. We're going to talk about other uncomfortable stuff, right? But this is, this is like the last week because in chapter 7, Paul, is just, he just lays out just the practical aspects of relationships and sex and what all that looks like. So we took some time just to camp out here and learn more about it. Um, and today, we're going to finish off what Paul just really takes a lot of time uh, developing more than anything else in the chapter and referring to marriages and relationships. He spends more time developing this other idea, this alternative lifestyle uh, to marriage. And the bottom line this morning is simply this. According to Paul, singleness is better. No, we laugh. No, like that's his point. Singleness, and you don't hear that in church a lot, do we? We get this idea that you have to be married, that you have to have kids, and that's like the Christian thing to do. But in fact, the Bible says something very different. Paul's going to make an argument today that singleness is better. And the truth is, all of us, if we want to have a good, healthy marriage, if that's what you desire one day, if you don't know how to be single well, guess what you're not going to be able to do well? Be married well, right? All of us need to learn how to be single regardless. And so Paul's point is, listen, nobody has to get married. In fact, singleness is better. 
And did you know you are more like your Savior if you're what? Single. You're like, wait, Brian, hold on. Right. You are more like Jesus if you are single than if you choose marriage. And what Paul's going to develop today is a continuation of actually Jesus' teaching. You see, when Jesus was questioned about divorce and remarriage, Jesus took the conservative stance. He tells them, well, far more conservative than they were accustomed to. Jesus says, when you get married, it's for life. Divorce needs to be off the table. Shouldn't get divorced unless adultery happened, which, of course, should you commit adultery? Oh, if you didn't know, the answer is no. Okay, like just... <laughs> Wow, just so we're on the same page, adultery should be off the table too. So this idea that man and woman comes together, it's for a lifetime. And they responded, they said, Jesus, but Moses said we could. In which Jesus replied this, verse 8, Matthew chapter 19, verse 8. He says, Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. We dove in that to last week. But we see that Jesus says, listen, divorce shouldn't actually be on the table. God didn't intend for you to be divorced. That's never God's intention. Marriage is the the unity between a man and woman, and it's for a lifetime. And here's what the disciples said to this. They said, well, if we just can't divorce, here's their response. Verse 10. Jesus' disciples then said to him, if this is the case, it's better not to marry. They're like, look, if we can't just get divorced when we want, we shouldn't get married. We should just stay away from that. There's no way this thing's going to work out. And look at Jesus' response, verse 11. He says, not everyone can accept this statement. Jesus said, only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs. Some have been made eunuchs by others, and some chose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. So their statement isn't wrong, that it's better to be single. Jesus doesn't deny that. He says only those can accept it if God helps. In other words, singleness is a gift from God. And then he explains, talking about eunuchs, which we're all like, Brian, I don't, I don't understand what's going on here. Don't worry, we'll talk about it again. Last uncomfortable week, next week should be better. He explains what's going on here, and he says, listen, not everyone can accept this only if God helps. But he says, here's some situations you need to think through, and here's some situations we need to think through. And it applies to our culture, maybe different, but the same ideas applies to all of us. You see, singleness, he says, is and should be on the table for many different types of people. It's not necessarily a wrong thing. It can be on the table. You see, a eunuch was a castrated male, which means they removed the testicles, right? That's what happened to these guys back then. Some were born this way, which means they were born with physical problems, and we know that still happens in today's world. Some were made this way. Not a very nice thing to do to someone, is it, right? Some of the masters would do this to the servant so they could serve them without sexual distraction, so they could serve them and devote their life to their master and not worry about creating and having a family of their own. And then thirdly, they would do it to the the people who would watch over the king's women. They made sure that they didn't have any sexual temptation, so they just took that off the table. But then he says others, so some were born this way, some were made this way, 
And then others just simply choose not to engage in sexual activity for the sake of the kingdom of God so they can focus on God's work. So he says, listen, singleness is a valid option for Christians. And this is really important to understand because Jesus equates sexuality with everything else in the world. You see, we live in a culture that somehow elevates our sexuality greater than other things. To which Jesus says, no, sexuality isn't greater than God's purposes. We have to work through this. He says, no matter what situation you find yourself in, no matter how you were born, no matter what's happened in the past, no matter what's currently going on, God's work and God can still use you for his purposes on this earth. And you see, some people, as you know, are just born with things that are messed up and are wrong with, excuse me, not messed up, but things that are wrong with their body. Some things have been messed up by other people in our lives. For instance, some of you grew up, some traumatic things happened, and you got to live with that for the rest of your life. Others choose certain lifestyles. But regardless of if you were born with a problem, if you developed a problem because of something that someone has done to you, or you choose to experiment with things, Jesus saying our sexuality isn't greater or more important than anything else in this world. And while Jesus is specifically talking about people refraining from sexual activity, these same principles apply for those who choose to engage in sexual activity. Some people are born with desires, unnatural desires that they should, excuse me, some people are born with natural desires that they shouldn't act on. For instance, I heard one pastor say that every man, he said every, or how about this, most men are born as polygamists. You say, Brian, that's not true. Look at the history of the world. It sure is that most men have this unnatural desire they need to squash, they need to, to deal with. Some have unnatural desires that goes on in their lives because of things that's happened to them in the past. Some choose to walk down them. But regardless of what your struggle is or where you're at, God's purposes are greater. And to Jesus' point, he says sometimes singleness is just a valid option for some folks. And this issue isn't any different than any other issues that people face in their life. Just like for some, addiction is a massive problem in their life. I've met several people who get very addicted very quickly. Y'all ever met someone like that? Yeah, and those people that have addiction issues, they can't enjoy the same things that other people can. For instance, people with addiction issues, just people who've had to work through this, they may not be able to have that holiday glass of wine that you pretend you don't drink, right? They can't, they can't have that. They get nervous about that, right? They have to stay away because of the addiction that can overcome them and the temptations. I know many people struggle with addiction, can't go to the same places other people can because it'll trigger them. And while this stuff isn't fair, it's just the reality of where we are and how people are wired. And he's saying no matter if you're born with it, no matter if you've developed it, or no matter if it's something because someone has done to you, we turn these things over to God and allow him to work through it. And that doesn't make it easy, but it is what it means to be a Christian. And perhaps singleness is the calling that God's placed on your life with your certain or struggles that you work through. And singleness isn't less than anything else. Singleness is a valid option for the Christian. And according to Jesus, singleness is a gift from God. Jesus was single. Paul was single. 
And so by no way and in no stretch and of no imagination is singleness ever thought of to be less than because our Savior chose to be single. So this isn't as some second-rate option. It's a very valid, real option that many people should consider. Now, according to Paul, he gives us the reasons, and he's going to make an argument and continue Jesus' teaching on why Paul believes all of us should be single. Well, if you're not married, that is. He said, if you're married, stay married, but if you're single, choose singleness. He says, singleness is way Better. Right after he teaches us about marriages and the sexual responsibility of, of spouses towards each other, he says this in verse 6. He says, I say this as a concession, not as a command, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So when it comes to singleness, here's what he says up front. He doesn't command anybody to be single. He can see that some people need to get married. They need to take care of, 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 of some sexual desires and needs, so they need to come together, man and woman. But he says as far as what he wishes, he says, I just wish everybody would stay single. And in fact, it's a gift from the Lord. Then he continues in verse 8. He says this. He says, so I say to those who aren't married and to the widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. And so we see now Paul's talking to widows, people who've lost their spouse. And remember back then, this would have been at a, uh, for many people to have been at a very young age. Just because you're a widow or widower doesn't mean you're necessarily older because the life expectancy was much shorter back then. So he's saying, listen, if you've been divorced, excuse me, if you've, if, if you've lost your spouse, it's okay to get remarried. Remember, we saw him talking to people. He's going to talk to single people here in a minute. But we saw him talk to people who were thinking about getting married. People have been divorced. People think about getting divorced. People now find themselves without a spouse because of a death. And he's just giving advice, practical advice, on what it looks like to live in this marriage relationship. And now he starts to answer in verse 25 why he believes singleness is better. He starts off talking about it here, then continues on. Verse 25, he says this. He says, now regarding your question about young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them, but the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that you can, excuse me, that can be trusted and I will share it with you. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, I don't have a direct quote from Jesus. Jesus said it's it's better to be single. It's a gift from God. Like he's already explained that. But as far as the question you ask, he's like, I don't have a quick Direct quote, but I'm going to share with you my pastoral advice. First up, he says this. He's going to say his case for singleness. Number one, he says, stay single because married life has greater problems. <laughs> Everyone who married just laughed. If you're single, think about it. They're uncomfortable because it's true. Here's Paul's reason. He says, married life has greater problems. Verse 26, he says, because of the present crisis, I think it's best to remain as you are. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it's not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it's not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles. All the married people said amen. Yeah, will have troubles. And I am trying to what? I'm trying to spare you married problems. He's like, this is why I think Paul was married. I think he's being, I mean, 
some people think his spouse died. Some people think his spouse left him when he became a Christian. I think he was married because he's like, look, if you get married, oof. He's like, you're going to have problems, and I'm trying to stop you from having those problems. Now, he lays down the same advice we went over last week, the idea of remaining where you are. If you're single, stay single. If you're married, stay married. His point here is, hey, if you are single, don't look for marriage to solve your problems. Don't think getting married is going to solve the issues you have. And then he brings up this present crisis. Scholars like to talk about what that is. Nobody actually knows what the crisis is, but we do know we can look around the world and we can pick one today, can't we, right? A crisis going on. But what he is trying to spare them from is not just this crisis, whatever their current situation is, but also the trouble that it brings. And so Paul's saying that married life isn't going to solve your problems. In fact, married life's going to create more problems. Married life isn't going to solve your problem of loneliness. It's not going to solve your problem of sexual temptations. It's not going to fill all your emotional needs. If you didn't know when you're single, I have news for you. Your spouse cannot be your everything. All right, how many people get married thinking their spouse is their everything? It's going to fix me. And it doesn't at all. Like marriage can't fix those problems. For instance, if you haven't dealt with your sexual morality and your sexual temptations and your sin, just getting married isn't going to fix that. I can't tell you how many young men I talk to or I meet thinking, hey, once I get married, this problem's going to go away. Hey, guess what? It doesn't. But now you've brought someone else into your sin. Now, you, now, now you're hurting somebody else with those things. So those sins and those things, Paul's saying, hey, you got to deal with getting married is not just going to fix that. And if you're unhealthy when you're single, finding another person isn't just going to solve your problems or fix it. Jesus Christ is the answer. Jesus is the one that can be your everything. Jesus is the one that can fulfill your needs. And if you're single, developing that relationship first and primarily will lead to a greater relationship if that's what the Lord calls you to or draws you to. But Paul says, he's not being negative here. He's just saying, look, if you're married, you're going to have problems, big problems. And the way to avoid marital problems is how? Yeah, not getting married. He's like, that's, that's the answer. Now, how many times have we met people that knew they shouldn't have got married and chose to anyways? Yeah, because our pressure, the social pressures and the things we tell people they have to do and to be a Christian, you got to be married. To be a Christian, you got to have kids and, and you got to follow through and you got to do all this stuff to which Jesus and Paul say the exact opposite, folks. So as a church, we can start with us and the people we know and realize that you don't have to ask every single person when they're getting married. You don't have to ask them when they're going to have kids. We laugh, but do we do that to people? To which Jesus says, no, it's better. To which Paul says, no, single's better. Like, it's okay to be single. Now, on the flip side, let's just be honest. Just because Paul says being married is hard, well, being single is hard too. Like, that's not an easy thing. 
Paul said he created man and woman to come, excuse me, um, the Bible says God created man and woman to come together because, because they were lonely and they needed each other. And so listen, singleness isn't easy. It's not saying, well, marriage is hard. So say, single, no, marriage is, I mean, singleness is hard. But a messy divorce is harder and far more devastating. And so sometimes singleness just is a better option. He said, because marriages are hard. Number two, he says, stay single because the time is short. So we don't have much time left in this world. Look what he says, verse 29. He says, but let me say this, dear brothers and sisters. The time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their what? Say it with me. Boy, he knew married people, didn't he? Or their possessions, those who, use these things, those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. For this world, as we know, will soon pass away. So Paul lived as if Jesus Christ could come back and return at any moment. And as we know, Jesus didn't come back in Paul's lifetime. He thought he was, but he didn't. But Paul, uh, excuse me, Jesus could come back in our lifetime. It's that anticipation of waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. But whether or not he comes back in our lifetime, what is for sure is we will meet him eventually. Whether he comes back or we pass away, the day will come that we will stand before him. And Paul is excited about Jesus coming back like many of you were excited about your wedding that was happening one day, right? Those wedding preparations, getting excited, telling everyone you know, planning about it, getting prepared, making the arrangements, like all that stuff you did for the wedding day, Paul's doing for Jesus coming back. Paul's like, he's coming back. I don't need this stuff. Don't get attached to it. You can't take it with you anyways. Like live for the Lord. So he says, if you're married, you shouldn't just focus on your marriage or your problems or your accumulation of things. Because the reality is, once we get married and we have families, somehow that becomes a priority and somehow we think it's more important than God's work. Right? That mind shift happens where we start focusing on us and our family and things. For instance, I can tell you as a single male, I never once thought about health insurance. Ever. Well, excuse me. Someone brought up to us like, why would I spend money on that? Who goes to the doctor anyways? Like people go for what? I never get sick. Then you have a family. What happens? Your health insurance costs more than your house. Right? You're just like, this is crazy. I got to have it. I can't live without it. This is like the most important thing ever. To Paul's point is, listen, this whole draw with marriage is our ultimate goal can't be our marriage, it can't be our kids, it can't be nice houses, it can't be cars. It's like we shouldn't live with being consumed with our possessions and attach them, and he just understands that once you have families, you get married, these things happen. But let's be honest, how easy is it to get absorbed with things and leave God out of our finances and our lives? Somehow we're thinking we're doing the right thing. And Paul's like, no, listen, the world's passing away. All this stuff's going to end. So don't be absorbed with all of that. Now, let's just pause. Because does that mean that Christians can't have nice things? 
Well, of course that's not what that means. Because we also believe that God is in the business of blessing his people. And it's okay to enjoy his blessings. So how do we work all this out? This, this wanting to enjoy God's blessings but not being absorbed by the, and just consuming and, and getting more and more. Well, I met a man who helped me through this thinking, and you can take it for, I don't know how you've worked through it or what you think through, but here's how I was helped. He didn't do it on purpose. He was just excited about his giving plan for the next year. And he was just talking to me about how he planned to double his giving the next year. And I just sat there listening to him, and I was amazed. I was like, huh, what's my giving plan look like? He had a good year in his business, and while he had investments and he had things that he liked to buy and stuff like that, what he was excited about was doubling his giving. And I said, you know what? That's a way. All he's doing is prioritizing God. He's prioritizing realizing that all of his blessings, everything that God has helped him with, he's prioritizing then God back on the giving end Rather than, well, let me increase my 401k or let me buy another rental property. Let me get this nicer card. And for me, it just reminded me, because maybe you, like me, aren't in the position to just double your giving every year. But I thought that was a helpful way of thinking is what is our plans? The way to make sure that we are honoring God is, is God, do you have a plan to give back to God? So we are not absorbed by our possessions just wanting more and more because where does it end folks to which you and me would agree we're like Brian this is complicated to work out and that's why Paul says yeah so what should you do stay single you laugh but like that's his point married life is complicated providing for your kids is complicated but if you're single guess what you can live on your friend's couch would you care I'm sorry, young male. Nope, sleep on my friend's couch. I care less. Save a whole lot of money. Paul's like, married life is complicated. This is his push. And this is why he's telling you, hey, being single, far easier. You can devote yourself to the work of the Lord. You can live in modesty. You don't have your kids. You don't have your spouse telling you how they need the newest and latest, greatest. Paul's like, if you stay single, you don't have to worry about that. You can devote yourself to the Lord. Number three, he says this, stay single because the distractions of married life. He dives into this a little bit more. He says this in verse 32. He says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking of how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. Verse 34. He says, his interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can devote, be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. He's saying, I'm saying this for your benefit. It doesn't feel like it, though, does it? For your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with few distractions as possible. He's saying, so whether you're single or whether you're married, your devotion should primarily be to the Lord. Married life creates distractions. It'll pull you away from serving the Lord with everything you have. It's easy to put the Lord on the back burner when your spouse is complaining. 
That was kind of a joke. Like, nobody was like, yeah, I know it is. You just, that was just true. But, but, but when something's going on, it's easy to be like, all right, well, the Lord understands. Let me deal with this fire in front of me. But Paul's point is, whatever you got to do to serve the Lord with your everything, that's what you should do. He's saying if you can't handle the temptations and the lust and the sexual immorality stuff, he's like, you need to get married. He's like, you need to do that. But married life's going to have problems. You're going to get pulled away. You need to understand that. He's saying, but hey, if you can settle that and not burn with lust and not just, just think about sex all the time and not have to, if you, if you got this under control, he said, well, think about staying single and serve the Lord. Like you don't have to get married. You don't have to have kids. Regardless, however you choose or whatever you need to do to serve the Lord best, that's what you need to do. So if you need to get married, then get married. If you need to be single, be single. But if you do have a family, I do want to remind you of this idea that he's calling us to and reminding us of, of the distractions of married life. And I do ask that if you have a family and you have kids, are you intentional about serving the Lord and sharing the gospel with your family. Because what I hear about all the time is this idea of family time. And this idea of family time includes what? Sports, vacations, and fishing, right? I get all that? Those are the three. Family time. But folks, the Sabbath was created to worship God. It was to rest and recharge, but worship Him. We've somehow replaced the Sabbath with worshiping ourselves. And so if you have a family, I just want to encourage you to spend family time by actively serving the Lord. Show them what it looks like to serve. Show them what it looks like to give. Go share the gospel with them. Just just do those things together because we don't want to create a family environment that centers around our kids and their sports and activities. Because if we do, we're going to teach our kids that the world revolves around them. And when they get older, that's going to get crushed pretty quickly, isn't it? We want to teach them how to become great citizens, how to serve the Lord. And we can partner and help them in that together. But Paul's point is, though, if you're single, you don't got to worry about this. You can devote yourself fully to the Lord's work. And if you can handle it, stay single. And so singleness really is a valid option. And so Paul's points, he says, listen, if you're single, you'll have less problems to deal with than a married life, less distractions, less financial obligations. You can fully devote yourself to the Lord's work. He says, but number four, he says this, but marry if you want. This is premarital counseling, right? This would be a really hard class to go through. He says, but marry if you want. Like, if you can't help it, it's okay. Like, he's back and forth. He's just being raw and honest. Here's what he said. Next verse. He says, but if a man thinks that he's treating his fiancée improperly and will inevitably give in to his passions, let him marry her as he wishes. It is not a sin. But if he's decided firmly not to marry and there's no urgency and he can control his passions, he does well not to marry Oh, sorry, ignore after that period. That should have been erased. He does well not to marry. But real quick, I want you to see something. If you can control your passions, he says to stay single. Let me be direct really quick. He doesn't say stay single so you can sleep around. Like, we have to understand that's what our, we want to stay single so we keep our options open. Paul's like, no. Stay single if you can control 
your passions. And on a side note, he says, if you are sleeping with your fiance, excuse me, you're sleeping with, with another woman, you're treating her what? Correct. Improperly. He puts that on the men. Man, you, you're supposed to lean this. We talk about it all the time. Come to a men's thing. We'll talk about it even more. But he says, a man thinks he's treating her improperly. Like, if you can't handle your desires, if you're doing that, he says, you need to marry her. Like we talked about before. If you aren't ready for marriage and you're not ready for sex. To Paul's point is, hey, but if you can stay single, stay single. If you can't, then get married. Verse 38, he says this. He said, so the person who marries his fiance does well. And the person who doesn't marry does what? Right. Paul says singleness is better. Y'all thought I was making it up. He says singleness is better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. And if a husband dies, she's free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. But in my opinion, it would be better for her to stay single. And I think I'm giving you counsel from God's spirit when I say this. We can deal with all of that a different day. Alan could come up and preach those things you want to talk about now. But here's Paul's point. If you want to get married, do what? If you want to stay single, what? That's right. You're like, Brian, so he, that's all Paul's saying. He's like, hey, if you want to get married, get married. If you want to stay single, stay single. He's like, hey, by the way, though, marriage is going to be really rough. And it's going to be tough. And you just need to go into that. But singleness is a valid option. And it's okay. And one thing we can do as a Christian is go ahead and stop asking people. Like I said, I'm going to review myself. If they are single, let's stop asking them when they're getting married. Let's stop asking people when they're going to have kids. Let's just respect them enough to, to, to maybe just talk to them and find out who they are and let them share that with you because we don't need to put pressure on people that the scriptures don't put pressure on. And if you are single, I want to remind you that singleness isn't forever. Marriage reflects our relationship with Christ and none of us will be single forever. In eternity, all of us will experience the loving embrace of our Heavenly Father, and we'll, we will be in a place where there is no longer marriage and there is no longer loneliness. Like all of us will experience that one day, just maybe not right now. And if you are single, I just encourage you to enjoy your time being single, getting to know Jesus on a deeper level, allowing Him to do a good work in your life. And please don't think another human being is going to fix your greatest needs. Because they won't. Get that right with the Lord first. Get to know him on a deeper level first. Work all of that out so then maybe you're in a good, healthy place to meet somebody else if that's what you desire. If that's where you want to go. But if you're not in a good place, what's the chances of you meeting someone else who's in a good place? Right. Become who you want to meet, folks. So work on yourself. Get to know the Lord. And if singleness is where the God's leading you, it's okay. It's all right. Just develop that relationship with him. And if you are married, just realize that marriage isn't better than single. And y'all were like, amen. I already knew that. You, you didn't have to tell me. I've been married for a long time. But as Christians, we do put a great pressure on people that we don't need to. And just realize singleness is okay. And if you are married, I do want to challenge you to take that family time that we talk about and use it in service to the Lord, not just this, we need to spend more time together, like stop being so busy, that's how you spend time together, but dedicate some of your time actually as a family in serving the Lord.
Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for Jesus, and we thank you so much for your word that guides and directs us through these challenging, difficult topics. But Father, we lift up all those who are single this morning and ask you to encourage them in their season of life. Allow them to develop a relation with, with you first and foremost. Help them see that singleness isn't less than, but in fact, a better and greater way to serve you. Father, for those who are single but are looking for the spouse, we ask that you bless their efforts. Help them become the person they need to be in order to meet the spouse they need in order to glorify you in all that they do. Heavenly Father, we ask for a special work from you in all of our marriages. Help us see them as an avenue to share the gospel and display your love and goodness in this world. And Father, please forgive us where we failed. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.